rabbits, ducks, and four Oscar-worthy performances in The Favorite. Welcome to the best movie of the year so far. As the year grows, the list grows, the movies get better. But a show that answers that question, what's the best movie of the year so far? Welcome back. I am John Ellis. Thanks for joining me today and clicking that link that brought you here. As always, you can find me online talking about movies. Join me on ellisonmovies.com. You can also find me talking about anything else in the movie industry on Twitter at ellisonmovies. Join me there. Join the conversation. Hello to the many new listeners that have joined me today. Click that subscribe button so you'll be alerted when I release a new episode. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. So last time when we discussed the best movies of the year so far, we discussed Madeline's Madeline. And I have to say, when I first placed this on on my movie list, it was not a top 10 film. But it's grown a lot since we last talked. It's a mystery of a film that may take several watches. It's not an easy watch for sure. And it's definitely not a film for everyone. And stay tuned till the end for a little spoiler alert. It may sneak into my top 10. Today we're talking about a movie that may lead the Oscar nominations. The Favorite. Taking place in the early 1700s, Olivia Coleman plays an insecure, possibly incompetent, alien Queen Anne. She's a couple years into her reign, a position really she was never groomed for to begin with. Meanwhile, Duke of Marlborough has just won a significant battle, while his wife Sarah Churchill, played by Rachel Weiss, guides, protects, and essentially runs the state for Queen Anne. Sarah and the Queen's 17 rabbits keep Queen Anne calm and harmless and protecting her from indulging in really everything she likes to indulge in. So all of that is disrupted when Sarah's distant and poor cousin Abigail, played by Emma Stone, arrives on the scene. She has ambition. She be- and she begins to become a favorite of the queen, putting the whole monarch at stake. And if that history lesson doesn't excite you, hold on. This is a comedy. A dark comedy, but yet still a comedy. Now, The Favorite is a movie that's bound to be nominated for many, many Oscars. And it's about a 90% great movie for me. And we'll get to that other 10% later. But for the most part, this is a, this is a fun movie and a great movie worth watching. Directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, a filmmaker that's often known for his... At best, odd movies. It can be said his movies are cruel and crude as well. In that sense, this movie is no exception. There's a lot of meanness in this film. But unlike some of his other films, you laugh at the cruelness. There's something more tolerable about watching other guilty people be mean to each other. You'll find your loyalty switching back and forth on who is honest and who is real and who who to cheer for. So let's talk about these leads because that's where this movie shines. We have Rachel Weisz as Sarah she feels like the core or the sort of the straight man of this film. Her place is being questioned and with, with help from costume design, every single time she's on screen, she, she presents power from her shooting outfit to her eye patch. You know, no spoilers. You'll see what that is later. She's in charge when she's on the screen and she's in charge when she's in the room and you feel that from her. And with Emma Stone, this is her best work ever. She does things that I've never seen her do before. She's done a lot of movies. She's well known, but this is her this is her best work. And while Wise and Stone will be battling out for Oscar's Best Supporting Actress, Olivia Coleman is in the running for Best Actress. She plays the ailing Queen Anne perfectly. But I also want to mention a fourth Oscar contender. It's the sort of an unsung hero in this film is Nicholas Holt. Now you may know him from Mad Max Fury Road. 
And I don't know even how to describe his role, but as these three women of power are leading this film, he plays a more traditionally feminine role, and he's great. So it's a movie filled with odd events, and you get to see what kind of keeps these royals entertained. That includes duck racing, shooting, throwing fruit at the peasants. It's a comedy with an underlying sadness as we laugh at the insaneness of these people, which is also why we don't mind that they beat on each other verbally and physically at times. The film is a often a pleasure to look at, too, if that makes sense. It's filled with costumes and artworks and long walks down even longer hallways. It really does capture a world really well. The favorite, I should note, is nasty and vulgar and obscene, but it's often hilarious, too. And the quick wit in this dialogue makes for a great time. Now, this is based on historical events. Now, how true it actually is without knowing, I'm not sure. How is this accurate? I doubt most of it's accurate. And I almost don't want to know to look up the real history because of that. It's ultimately just a movie and it's a fun movie. I mentioned there are some issues with this film, though. It's a two-hour film that feels like three for me. The last 30 minutes, especially of this film, are dragged out to a point where I kept checking the time. To make it worse, this movie is divided into chapters, which often reminds you whenever you see the chapter come up that you still have more chapters to go and you still have more time left. It reminds you how long this film is. And it drops the comedy toward the end of the film, which I'm okay with in general, but not okay with the slowness of that drama. So without spoilers, there is a point in this film where we are left with two of the three actresses. And that's the point where I struggled. This movie shines when all three actresses are highly engaged. And when that stops, so did I. So as many positive things that this film has, it's hard to be the favorite at this point. It doesn't stick to landing like you'd hope. It's fun. It's pretty. It's often perfect, but not perfect enough to have the seat on the throne. All right, so let's talk about the top 10 at this point. I said there's some major shifts coming. So we'll kind of run through where we are now. Number 10, Leave No Trace, the Deborah Granick film. Number nine, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Mr. Rogers documentary. And number eight is where the favorite goes as of now. And again, as you've known in the past, things settle over time. Everything's get better. Maybe things get worse. But currently, it's number eight on my list. Number seven is Spike Lee joint called Black Klansman. Number six, Marvel's Black Panther. And number five is where Madeline's Madeline jumps into. Remember last week, it wasn't even in my top 10. But the more that film settled with me and the more I, can, I watched it again, it's currently number five on my list. One through four hasn't changed. And that being number four being Stars Born. Number three, The Great Paddington and Paddington 2. Number two, Eighth Grade featuring a, a newly Golden Globe nominee, Elsie Fisher. And number one currently is Still Widows, my favorite film of the year to this point. So thanks again for continuing to listen and, and include yourself in this episode and other episodes. Be sure to subscribe so you're the first to know when I release a new episode. As always, you can find the podcast on all the major channels. Find more reviews and movie discussions on ellisonmovies.com. I look forward to talking with you soon. But until then, I'll see you in the theater. <laughs>